0: Oh, church, arise on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, I have with me Senior Pastor of Calvary Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Dan Kirk. And I I love this brother, and I'm so grateful for the work that the Lord has him doing down in Fort Worth, the church that he has there, and the ministry that he's involved in, and the things the Lord is doing is just always a tremendous encouragement. And Dan is married to his wife, Chris, for almost 35 years. And he's a fellow with ACBC, and he also has seven children and six grandchildren. And Dan, what a privilege it is uh, that the Lord would be so kind. Uh, What a wonderful family you have. And I'm excited about what's coming up. Our conference is coming up. And Dan, you're going to be speaking at our conference. And I cannot wait. We are one week away for our our conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, Oh, Church, Arise. And... I want to get some of your thoughts on maybe a sneak peek for our listeners as to some of the things that we're going to talk about at the conference, and particularly your subject that you're going to talk about, Christ as being our head and wonderful counselor. But but I want to get sort of your perspective, even as a pastor and a counselor, when you heard this year's theme, like what did you think about this year's theme, Oh, Church, Arise? Talk to us a little bit about when you heard that, what your initial thoughts were about this conference.
1: Well, I got to tell you that when I heard that our theme would be, Oh, church arise, my heart leapt with joy. It excited me because I I know, as, as you know, that there is nothing in all the world that God loves more mm. than his church, his redeemed people. She is his most precious possession. Not only that, but the church is, the only institution that has the real cure for the perplexing and devastating problems of the world. Mm-hmm. And we have that cure in the inscripturated word. Mm-hmm. We have it in the Bible. We have everything that every counsele needs. You know, so I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also excited about it because I think too often people have a low view of the church. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that we're going to spend the better part of this week. Rejoicing in and exalting over the glory of Jesus' bride, the church.
0: Amen. And even to hear you talk about that, it's hard to like stay on track because want I want to break off and, and really just talk about the beauty and excellencies of the church and the way in which Christ loves His bride. and, and really our responsibilities that we have as redeemed people in what God has called us to do in, in, in guarding the truth in the church being a ground and pillar. Of the truth. And it is the truth, the scripture says, that sets men free. And that is our responsibility. It is the place at which soul care should happen. And we need to call the church to meet that responsibility that God has so has so given. And and so one of the ways that I've tried to structure this year's conference, just to give you a preview, is I wanted us to consider that all of the functions that God has given to the church are intended as purposes of soul care. It really is a proclamation that God has given, in such grace, His Word to His church in order to meet the demands of soul care in the world. And so we're going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about when the church doesn't care well and and why that happens. We're going to talk about even church discipline. My goodness, people don't think about that function as being uh, something positive. We always think about it sort of in the negative term, but it is a, a form of soul care. Sometimes we don't think about the proclamation of the Word from the pulpit in preaching as being an act of soul care. But, but think about it, right? When when someone's proclaiming the Word, conviction is happening, edification is occurring, people are maturing in the faith as they hear the Word and are shepherded by it in public proclamation. So we're going to look at a lot of different facets, the one anotherings of of Scripture, and and you see the beauty at every level of of God intending for the church to be this fellowship, this community of soul care. And maybe one of the places where we don't see that as as readily is, is Christ as our head, that that is an important piece of the puzzle, knowing who he is in character. And because he's our head and because of his character, the way in which he shepherds us, now we're called to be his hands and feet. And so I assigned you this topic, and I'm so delighted that you're going to be delivering this message about Christ as our, as our king. Christ is our wonderful counselor as, as an example, certainly for us, but as the lead of this church that needs to arise and follow him. So I, I want to get into this a little bit, but I don't want to steal your thunder here. However, I do want a little bit of a sneak peek just to, just to hear how you're going to direct some of our folks as you talk about this topic. And, uh, and so tell us a little bit about, if you can, uh, without giving too much away, uh, your topic here.
1: Sure, uh, I'm happy to do that. Originally, I thought I would call this message "Christ Our Head," because that's what you asked me to focus on. And actually, that is what has showed up in the brochure for my message is Christ our Head. But the more I got to thinking and studying about the wonderful counselor and what his rule over our lives means for counselors, my thoughts began to change course. And now I'm calling the message, The King and His Counselors. Here's my goal. I want to elevate in the hearts and minds of our counselors some of the tremendous privileges and some of the great responsibilities that are ours as biblical counselors in the local church. So our privileges are all wrapped up in the fact that we have not been left alone to create or to invent the counsel that that people need. Rather, our king, the wonderful counselor, has provided for us the counsel that we need to address every problem of the soul that a man or woman can encounter. This really is the ground of our unique privileges. We are counselors of the king. And along with the privileges, however, Jesus, our head, entrusts us with some great responsibilities. And Of course, the most important of the responsibilities is that we use the king's counsel to feed, lead, and protect the flock of God. But if we're going to do that well, we have to commit to getting his counsel right. There's no room for sloppiness here. There's no room for us to just kind of make it up on the fly. The wonderful counselor has given us the counsel that we need. We're not merely mailmen. Mm. Who deliver or dispense the counsel of the king? We don't just drop it off as as like giving them a copy of the Bible and and telling them, you know, here's the message, figure it out. Uh, we don't do that without knowing or understanding the message. So rather, our responsibility is to take the king's counsel, study it, mm. learn it, apply it to our own lives to some degree, and before we Do that before we deliver the counsel to someone else. I I can't help but think of Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, where we read, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. This This is a wonderful model for how the king's counselors should minister the word of God in the local church.
0: And that's great. I'm looking forward to that. I wish we were sitting in there right this minute. And I can't wait to hear how you're going to unpack that in the scriptures. And, you know, when I think about Christ as our head, there's just a thousand things flood in our mind, which I'm sure happened to you when you're thinking about this topic. And, okay, how do I narrow this down to, to something that can be pointed in, in one particular message? But when you think about Jesus, the, the Bible makes clear that he is our shepherd, And the way in which he leads us and guides us is he's the one who heals the brokenhearted. And him as our head, our job as believers in the church is to make sure that we're doing his work as his hands and feet in the world. And we've been given the tools to accomplish that. Christ himself who heals and mends the brokenhearted. So I can't wait for us to start mulling around about this topic and and drive ourselves deeper to see the beauty First of all, of Christ, as you're going to describe, but then second of all, of, of his bride, of his church, and that we are on the mission that he began to, to heal those who are, who are broken. Now, as we, as we get further into this topic, Dan, uh, people may be wondering, okay, like why is this such an important thing, or, or why do you think this conference is, is such an important thing, or what do people want to hear from this message, and, and why do they need to hear those types of things? What are some of those things that you would say?
1: Well, I think conference attendees should want to hear this message because my hope is that, again, it will elevate their view of just how significant this ministry is in the eyes of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I I think we we get so bogged down in in the difficulties and the problems that we forget how glorious it is on on a large scale that God has called us to do this ministry, and he's given us everything for it. So that's why we should want to hear this message, Mm -hmm. I think. I also think conference attendees need to hear this message because we all need to be exhorted to become better students of the Word Mm -hmm. so that we can become better ministers of the Word. And one aspect of that is just the the exhortation that the the meaning of the text is the Scripture. The meaning of the Scripture is the Scripture. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to be faithful ministers, of the message of the king or the counsel of the Lord, we not only have to have the counsel, but we really need to study it to understand it properly and then give it because the power of the word of God is in presenting the word of God in context Mm -hmm. and then bringing it to bear on the lives of people.
0: I think that's such a critical aspect. Sometimes we you know, we get into this pattern, you mentioned it earlier, about dispensing the word as opposed to ministering the word. And what you're describing is study the text. Study the text well where it's not just, you know, you're not just some dispensary giving out anecdotal remedies or, or pithy sayings, even if they are from the scripture, that you, you're, you're giving words to people in context of the scripture using the sword of the spirit because he's the agent of change. To affect that that work in their heart. That's that's what it means to minister the Scripture, and it's so important for us to do that in context of what the Word of God is is teaching us. Now, let's turn a corner here. Every every season, counselor knows that counseling is it's a difficult thing. It's a spiritually exhausting work. I, I can remember being in ministry, serving at our local church, and sometimes twenty hours in a week I would spend or more. Counseling and it is exhausting work. You have few words at the end of the day that that you can think of when you're when you're dealing and and working in the lives of uh, of folks. But it's worthy work. It's worthy work. So what would you say as a counselor who isn't satisfied with the fruit of their labor because it can get exhausting at times where you you feel like you're pouring out and you know it, it's hard work because you're deep in the spiritual battle. So what would you say to that?
1: I would say to that brother or sister who might be becoming weary in the ministry of counseling, I would say to them, take courage, my friend. God has given you a good work to do, and he's not left you alone to do it. Everything God requires of you, he also gives. And the power to accomplish the work that God wants you to do is not in your cleverness, it's not even in your giftedness, but rather, it's it's in your faithfulness to deliver God's counsel to his people. Listen, God's word never returns to him void. Mm-hmm. And you may not see the fruit of it. But listen, God is doing 10,000 things that you can't see. And he's, he's using you in, in ways that you may never even know until you get to heaven. It's not your job to know. and And this isn't about us and us getting patted on the back Mm. or feeling good about our ministry because people are responding so well. Rather, it's all about us being faithful to minister the Word of God. And so I would just say to you that though your fruit may be invisible, the Apostle Paul would tell you, based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So persevere, my brother or my sister. God has given you great work, and it will be fruitful.
0: Amen to that. And and I'll just mention what what satisfaction you get from being able to minister the Word to those who are broken. And in those moments when you see, we may call it the light bulb coming on, or you see, I've heard people describe it as a breakthrough in the counseling room, is something that may have been unseen for weeks. And the Lord does a work in that person's heart, and, and you see a radical difference. Man, what a great grace of the Lord. And it is such a satisfying thing when we continue to labor and we recognize this is God's work. It's not something that you know we manipulate to make happen. If the Holy Spirit's the agent of change, we have to be faithful, and then we have to be patient to wait on Him to accomplish the work that He will accomplish. And, and that's the question. Sometimes when I get discouraged like that, I, I do want to do some self-reflection. I, I want to ask questions like, Okay, am I am I understanding their problem well? Am I faithfully, as you mentioned earlier, am I faithfully ministering the text of Scripture? And as those things are settled in my heart before the Lord, we then, in prayer, I think we lead those things with the Lord. And we continue to press, knowing and, and being satisfied in being faithful to, to the Lord. There have been times, Dan, I'll, I'll mention this to you, is... There have been times where I've been in a counseling situation, and I, I honestly didn't know which way to go. You, you get discouraged. You're not seeing things move forward. You feel like the person understands, but they're just not moving, and, and you know that there's sort of something else that's sort of around the corner, and it's not coming to light. It, it's been interesting to me. It's not happened every time, but where I've been faithful in prayer and faithful to continue to minister the Word, and it may be several weeks down the road where the Lord brings something to light that I could have never known with my own wisdom the person may have never known to even bring it to light to me, but the Lord does a, a work in their heart, and and you begin to see something. And and all the, the weeks of work that you've put in, the Lord brings to light. There's nothing like that. And so I can't wait for this conference. Uh, and you still have time to join us. So I hope you will uh, at our conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, Old Church Arise. Dan, thank you so much for being with us. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I'm so grateful and looking forward to our annual conference. I'm sure that many of you may not be aware of the amount of people that it takes to run such a conference. And I'm so grateful for all those folks. And we're in this final week of setting up the conference, and we're really excited preparing for all of you to attend. But I do want you to know that there's still time to attend, both in person, which we hope you will do, and join us in Charlotte but then also online. Our plenaries will be streaming both the pre-conference and the annual conference. You'll have access to breakouts as well. So I want to encourage you. This is going to be a conference that, that I think is important, and it, it puts the, the idea of soul care where it ought to be, which is in the church, that, that it is the responsibility of the church. Counseling in and of itself it is not a professional pursuit. Counseling and soul care in intimate relationship with people, in intensive discipleship is intended to be a part of what God is doing in the whole of the fellowship of the church by the ministry of the word. And so this this conference, I pray, turns our eyes certainly back towards that, or for those of us who, who certainly believe that and practice that, that it would reinvigorate us in that direction to, to see the beauty of the church. And so I do hope you'll join us Monday, October 4th, through Wednesday, October 6th in Charlotte, North Carolina, Hickory Grove Baptist Church. Join us for Old Church Arise. You can find out more about the conference by visiting biblicalcounseling.com.